There's one thing everyone can agree on, that robocalls are terrible. Yet they continue to be a problem thanks in part to a lot of scammers operating overseas. FCC Chair Jessica Rosenworcel thinks she has a solution. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me is CNET Senior Reporter Maggie Reardon, who had a chance to talk with the FCC Chair recently. Welcome, Maggie. Thanks for having me. So we all know robocalls are menace, but just to give our listeners a sense of the problem, like how how many robocalls do people actually get? Like how big of a problem is this? It's it's a really big problem. In fact, you know, there's some studies that suggest that like, you know, just in the first five months of this year, um, people were receiving 22 billion robocalls. You know, we're on track to receive 52 billion robocalls by year's end. So, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is a billion with a B. That is mind boggling. And, and they're not just a source of annoyance. People actually lose money on some of these robocalls, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, a company called Truecaller, which makes a spam blocking um, app, they said that in the last like 12 months, it's cost $30 billion in terms of phone scams. 60 million Americans um, in a survey said that they had fallen victim to a phone scam. So yeah, so a lot of these calls are really swindling people out of money. And uh, it's a big deal. Right, right. So you talked with FCC Chair Rosenworcel about closing a loophole that could potentially help shut down robocalls, maybe not eliminate, but maybe stem the tide a little bit. What is this loophole? Talk about like what she thinks might actually be a solution. So one of the problems that uh, a lot of experts talk about is that a lot of the calls are coming from overseas. The FCC has put in place, you know, some mitigation efforts, but it's really hard to go after perpetrators outside of the U.S. So what the FCC is voting on today, actually, is um, a measure that would force these um, gateway providers or, or companies that basically hand off traffic um, to other networks to have to um, authenticate where the calls are coming from. And so they're hoping that that will stop the calls as they come into the U.S. Um, because a lot of times what these folks will do is they'll use these gateway providers to kind of mask uh, where the calls are coming from. And so this has been kind of a loophole because they haven't really been held to the same kind of standards as some of the bigger players. And so acting chair Rosenworcel is hoping that's going to help a little bit. You mentioned like help a little bit. Like I'm curious what you think the impact of this might actually be closing this loophole might actually be on robocalls. Like are we still going to get robocalls or they still figure out another way around this or is this actually going to have a significant impact? Well, I think actually I, I should clarify. I think she probably thinks that it's going to have a, a pretty significant impact. Me personally, from the experts I've talked to, I, I think that this is just uh, a problem that is very hard to solve and is going to take a lot of efforts. In fact, actually, Acting Chair Rosenworcel said that to me too, that this is not something that the FCC can do on its own, that it's got to work with other federal agencies and state agencies like attorneys general. And I think there's going to have to be some movement to work with um, with regulators outside of the U.S. to try to mm. stop some of this activity. And I know the FCC is already working with the carriers, like some of the industries, and there have been mandated protections like the stir-shaking protocol. Uh, I'm curious, like how, like that stuff is really just more recently went into effect. Um, but have we seen any kind of impact on uh, from some of these protocols or some of these new protections? 
Well, I think what it's helped uh, regulators and law enforcement do is be able to trace back more quickly um, and find out who's making these calls. And and that's helpful because I think that that really, um, you know, if they're putting in big fines and they can find these folks, that that can have an impact. But it's still early days. And, um, you know, there haven't been any real uh, huge data points that suggest it's having a, a big impact yet. But, um, you know, as as the acting chair had told me, you know, it's early days. She thinks it's working. We'll have to see in the next um, six months or so what the impact is going to be. And they're they're going to be doing other things to try to knock down these robocallers, too. Yeah. What else do you think we need to do, whether it's the regulators or the carriers or, like you said, working overseas? Like what what else needs to be done to stop robocalls? Well, the thing that's so tricky about it is every time they come up with a mitigation uh, strategy like stir shaken, right? That was really to stop the spoofed calls or the calls that look like they're coming from a neighbor or somebody in your area code. Um, the robocallers will just like find a different way to do that. And, you know, there are still robocalls that could be coming through that are not necessarily spoofed, but could still be harmful and people could still get them and still fall victim to scams and, and whatnot. So I think it's going to be, um, that regulators, law enforcement, everybody's going to have to step up their efforts and just try to stay right up with with the criminals to try to knock some of this down. And, you know, I think the other problem is it's hugely lucrative, right? I mean, I I threw out that statistic earlier in our conversation. I mean, scammers are making a lot of money from this. And anytime you have something like that um, and that kind of money to be made, it's, it's going to be a really hard problem to solve. Yeah, and I think there's also the, the point uh, that those scammers, they're smart folks, and if there's a lot of money being made, they're able to move quickly and pivot. Regulators, carriers, laws being passed, that stuff all takes a lot of time, right? So like we're working against uh, a group of scammers who are a lot more nimble than than our side, right? But you know, one of the things that an expert told me recently is the fact that people are aware of it now and the fact that the public is talking about it um, – that could help too, right? Like if if you're aware that these scams are out there, maybe you'll be less likely to fall for it. And if fewer people are falling for it, there's not as much money to be made. That's true. Uh, those I have to say, those calls are like very convincing. Like that car warranty that I of a car that I bought in some city I've never been to. Like I, I still get those constantly. So hopefully, to your point, more folks are aware that these things exist and these are scams. Uh, I know it wasn't just the conversation you had with uh, FCC Chair Rosenworcel wasn't just about robocalls. You talked about the digital divide. I'm curious what her thoughts are on that and, and what her focus has been on when looking at how to solve this problem. Well, she really feels like we're at a moment in time where you know the U.S. really can close this digital divide and make sure that 100% of people in the U.S. have access to reliable broadband. Um, And the big thing that the commission has been focusing on um, since she's been heading it up since January is getting out uh, stimulus money and getting out um, subsidies to people who can't afford broadband. Uh, A program started um, uh, in the spring, the emergency broadband benefit. And so uh, the FCC has been trying to get word out on that and, and trying to get money in people's pockets. There, There's another subsidy program that um, 
is also out there to help fund uh, libraries and um, schools to also offset the cost of broadband for people who can't afford it. So um, that's where the FCC has been putting a lot of effort right now. And you mentioned the emergency broadband benefit, and and I know there's some critics about uh, who've sort of talked about it and whether or not it's the best use of funds. I'm I'm curious what she said about that, and really the the broader idea of pricing controls, which is something I know that President Biden has mentioned. Like, what were some of her thoughts on those those topics? Yeah, well, she feels that the emergency broadband benefit program has been hugely successful. There are more than six million people that have signed up for the benefit. Um, and now Congress uh, in the infrastructure bill is considering making that a permanent subsidy. And, you know, as you alluded, there are some folks who wonder if that's really the best use of money. But she feels that a subsidy is is warranted. Um, now, in terms of like lowering the cost for everybody, some kind of like price regulation, um, she didn't really want to talk too much about it. But she did. Um, if you read between the lines of what she said, she said, you know, that that the government really needs to read every statute and use every mechanism possible to try to make broadband affordable. So if uh, price regulation is is in there and they can find a way potentially to uh, to use that, she is not opposed to doing it. Okay, and and I know we've explore the issue of digital redlining or the notion that you know carriers are unwilling to build out broadband infrastructure in communities that are largely minority owned. Uh, what does she say about that issue? Well, she has for a long time said that broadband needs to get everywhere and that that kind of practice needs to stop. Um, now, you have to remember that the FCC is really uh, only functions as as well as um, Congress is is empowering it. So right now, Congress is um, considering a bill that would uh, give the FCC some power to look at that issue and to try to do something about it. And so she said, you know, once they get more authority from the, the Congress to do that, then the FCC is on board to try to end that kind of practice. All right. Well, Maggie, thanks for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>